0: The Hop4 Podcast is proudly brought to you by Charles Farham. Charles Farham have been sellers of hops since 1865 and hop growers for even longer. They stock nitrogen-flushed leaf hops, T90s and T45 pellets, and to ensure their hops remain in optimum condition, they have state-of-the-art cold stores at their sites in Worcestershire and Yakima in the USA. At CharlesFarum.com, brewers can shop, by pay as you go or using agreed credit terms for yeast, malt, fruit purees and other brewing products. In addition to leading hop varieties from across the world, the Farum's family range brings you Archer, Emperor, Godiva, Harlequin, Jester, Most, Mystic, Olicana and Opus from their hop development programme right here in the UK. If you'd like more information or expert advice, visit the Brewer's Resource and FAQ pages on the website or contact their technical advisors for different uses, applications and recipes. They're always really happy to help. Visit charlesfarram.com today. That's charlesfarram.com.
1: I'm Nick. And I'm Sean. And these these are are our fermenting Thoughts.
0: Well, fermenting thoughts,
1: Sean. Always. In person, like in 3D, not across the screen. <laughs> it's a magnificent moment and... Uh, what one, a venue one, for one, it. One feels unvirtual. Yeah, I know. I mean, and we've chosen a pretty good location for it this week.
0: We have. So uh, do you want to explain where we are?
1: Well, yes, we're in the gorgeous tap room of Gritchie Brewing in Ashdown on the estate... Of mr ritchie and it is a tremendous place i must say i'm not an expert on country estates but uh, this has a gorgeous view more importantly actually from a tap room perspective not because it's a celebrity owned it's a very much a working farm and has the feel of a working tap room and every part of this operation feels extremely well organized and fit for purpose yeah We're not actually going to talk about that today because there's going to be an entire podcast episode
0: forthcoming where we talk to the team behind Ritchie Brewing Company and even get some time with Guy Ritchie himself. So we was really mad, to be honest. So if you listen to this, um, that's going to be coming over the next few weeks. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was very,
1: very interesting, wasn't it? Yes, and I think that what we have taken away from it amongst many things is that it's a quality brewing operation with of course everything on site ingredient wise to brew some sublime beers so the onward journey for Gritchy Brewing is an exciting one Yeah, but we'll
0: part that there because because we don't want to give too many spoilers away that's like the trailer in a film isn't it one of Guy's latest films (laughs) that's the trailer you have to go to the cinema or more so tune into the Hot 4 podcast in a few weeks' time to listen to that. So, in the meantime, what are you thinking about? What's your
1: fermenting thoughts, Sean? Fermenting thoughts are just the, the speed of how business life adapts and has to adapt um, in a survivalist sense, and that that is. Going on for all of those in the brewing industry and industry in general in the UK. And it just makes me go back to that stat, which I'm not going to remember, so I don't want to get it wrong. But, you know, how many people are there in the supply chain to put a pint on the bar? Um, mm. And it's some crazy number like 161 or whatever it stands to be, and I'll be corrected on. And therefore, Every part of hospitality, brewing, supply chain, logistics is under pressure. You know, top news story as of today, um, I noticed was energy companies profiteering and us all then then justifying it by saying, well, yes, but we have to pay higher prices on the wholesale market. But we all know it's at the core of what's um, putting a number of businesses in trouble and or into liquidation. And therefore, I don't see any... Positive practical help from the government and all the utility companies at this point in time it's almost like stand alone or don't and pay these exorbitant bills, which we know are not suffered by the rest of Europe and/or Scandinavia. So I'm in a, a slightly intense mood about it all because I'm an optimist by nature, but I just think the industry's robust; it always has been. But by crikey, it's in a tricky patch.
0: The whole survival thing is interesting. I mean, we've been chatting about this recent, haven't we? Between ourselves and just I guess general conversations we're having in the industry at the moment in there's no rhyme or reason I've noticed to whether a brewery or a pub or a bar is faring well like historically you know you'd look at a brewery for example like that has cash flow issues and you get in a negative cash flow cycle and it's curtains really without any kind of major investment and that would typically happened to not always obviously because businesses have massively varied but it always felt historically like there were certain sets of circumstances that would facilitate that happening you know and businesses that were more robust and were bigger or whatever seemed to fare better but that doesn't feel like the case at the moment because what I'm seeing is there are small breweries that I know even just like five barrel breweries which are relatively new that are just Absolutely inundated with people, can't produce and sell enough beer, start scaling up, and they're still struggling to fill demand. I think a good example is someone like, probably Elusive, even. You know, I know they've been around for five years, but like every time I look at Andy Parker's Twitter feed, it's like, We can't make enough Oregon Trail. It's like, No, Andy, you can't make enough Oregon <laughs> Trail. Make more <laughs> in Cask up north. If you're listening, Andy, that was evidently directed at you. So you've got brewers like that that, are, you know, really thriving, but then there are some other breweries that are bigger maybe are more bankrolled, but they're struggling
1: for other reasons. I think the correct terminology is they've been overtrading pre-COVID and post-COVID. And are we talking about what, black sheep in particular? Here, uh, no, right? no, just, just in general. So the bigger macro outfits and black sheep included. And I think over that period, what happens is that there never seems an end to the good times. And so people overlayer their businesses. As you mentioned earlier, you know, cash flow gets out of control, takes a dive, and the fixed costs remain the same. And the fixed costs are too heavy. And that, by definition, is what but So if you take end operations across hospitality, so the big pub ease of example, they won't change their margins, e- even if the, the tight estates enterprise punch, and then you've got the bigger pub that we all know about, and they have a layered cost base which is now compromised by revenues, and they're forecasting out to the end of 2026 before they get anywhere near back to that, so everybody's having to trim down, they're all putting out financial statements in general that are quite bullish, but are actually in my opinion, entirely without validity, because everybody's suffering you know, I'm not calling out people that that have traded pre-covid and out the other side so name checking a couple that I know to have good cash reserves and have been well managed, like City Pubco, for example, would be fine. And they've consolidated and they've sold off parts of their estate. And even the arch Brexiteer, Mr. Martin at the spins, you know, they're selling off sites, and he's always done that historically anyway. So there are businesses that are under control, but there are also a, there's a large percentage of the business that where every part of their cost base is not, and, and as a consequence, they're suddenly in trouble. Yeah. And as you said earlier, once you're in that, you're quickly out of the game.
0: Yeah. As a commercial director, Sean, and you've done that in various guises over the years, what's your advice to anyone listening to this that is in a negative cash flow cycle? Which I would imagine are a lot of breweries in particular listening.
1: Well, you just have to be incredibly blunt-edged about it. We talked about Andy earlier, and I hope he won't mind, he's a great case of not trying to compliment him for the sake of it, but just identifying the fact that, you know, his operation is very lean, has a very able marketeer in Ruth Mitchell. He network and and embraces by earned respect the core of the industry and maximises it to commercial benefit. So I think you've got to go back to lean workings in every part of your financial forecasting right and intent and that's um, like basically trimming the financial fat looking at what you're spending where same with our what, personal exercise and i'm carrying a few too many pounds at the moment but you know if you're in denial about it then you, you've got to go under so what you've got to do is you've got to get back in that gym and you've got to address your diet and you've got <laughs> to you know in a financial sense as a business you've got to take those hard decisions and go back and re-platform and then you can move forward later in the year once you've consolidated back to your core. So as far as breweries are concerned, we have this hyper-localism as I called it and other people have called it that I see as the definitely identified trend the next five years. So go back to basics, look after your local traffic, look after your core relationship, your real business friendships and spend wisely. Like any other financial discipline, domestic or business-wise. Yeah. Again, I, th- I think that you know people, and, we, and we've all done it. You know, we've all gone and stayed on contract with our mobile phones when we should have gone by. To yeah, you know, and I'm speaking personally on that particular thing. But again, it's an identifier where anything where you can take advantage of the flexibility on contracts, uh, put yourself in a position of control of contracts. So I was going to use the example of a mobile, where did I really need to just take the automatic upgrade and stay on contract? Why didn't I just go to, you know, a SIM card? Was it a point of vanity or I wanted the latest phone? Just cut your cloth is the old terminology and educate yourself on, therefore, your future-proofing, meaning that where the trends going? Are you on trend to survive in the leanest, most relevant disguise? And by that, I mean also everybody's got to be aware of the greater benefits of technology, sustainability and everything else that we've spoken on previous podcasts and get a grip on it and plan it in. I
0: Well, I think planning is a huge part of it. I mean, there's the review part, which we've discussed so far about looking at where you're spending money, where the money's flowing or isn't flowing, you know, like chasing debts, asking people, pay your invoice. Well, not just even asking, like telling them, you need to pay this invoice now. And that's a whole other contentious topic in and of itself. But then there's the planning aspects and making sure whatever you're investing in is a sound investment and i think it can be very tempting as a brewer to either jump on a particular bandwagon when it comes to a piece of equipment for example we need more capacity therefore i'm going to buy some fermenters and it's like hang on a minute just put the brakes on right because firstly why do you need those fermenters the capacity that you're brewing are you going to be brewing that in the next six months next year next 18 months next 24 months is it just for a season? Because you've got a contract with a subscription box company, you know, and a bit or a supermarket, you've got a big orders to fill. And are there other ways that actually you could increase your capacity by lengthening your brew day and double brewing? I remember one consultant coming in to Sheffield Brewery when I worked there and he told me a story about a brewery he was working with that had that exact problem. Oh, we need more fermenters. And he said, No, you don't. He said, what you need is a cold liquor tank and a good floor. And this brewer was like, that's outrageous. I need more fermenters. I can't brew it. For her. And he was like, no, you go good floor because the floor is terrible. And you go a cold liquor tank. And he was like, you can brew twice in one day because you're not gonna be spending two hours trying to clean that damn floor. And this is what this guy did, you know, with his 40 grand or whatever. Those things can feel a little bit like non-fun purchases. Do you know, like, the fun purchase, like you talk about the phone, is like, oh, I've got a latest iPhone with all the gadgets in, in alpine green, whatever. <laughs> and you don't need the latest iPhone with all the gadgets in alpine green. Maybe what you need is something else, a lesser phone, but then to invest some of that money in something else, that's going to help you
1: do whatever yeah, you're exactly. trying to do. You've got to take actions yourself, obviously, said, said consultant a great job by this individual in the story you've just given and we know that in basic human psychology there's a massive insecurities that layer all of us um, as, as we go through our experiences in life and in business and you know you've just got to be humble about if you're asking for a specialist consultant to give advice and or anybody a friend or somebody else in the trade then just genuinely listen and implement if you trust said source and as quickly as possible because there's no time to waste and certainly the in the grander scheme of things the utility companies as aforementioned the list goes on that they are not going to help you for toffee um, you've got to take it under control in-house um, and also the means of production the classic uh, Victorian era mentality of whatever you have asset wise um, production-wise, if you can get to a point of actually owning it, and then do it, and as quickly as possible. Great. Well, why don't
0: we round up by each giving the biggest takeaway for people based on this conversation about survival. What's your biggest takeaway? What was the one thing that you want to impart to someone listening
1: to this? Be humble by that. It's only a repetition of what I said, that we all are lucky enough to have people that have been through even harder experiences than ourselves. And so source those people, reach out in the modern parlance and find time to spend a proper day of advice with that person, not necessarily paid for, and then go away, take your time out, take a week out of your business if you need to, to get your head round it and then just do it. Otherwise, the ongoing excuse is, I'm too busy. You're not too busy, you're just stuck in the whirlpool and you don't need to be in the whirlpool. Yep. And I think
0: mine off the back of that, actually, would be to work on your business, not in it. Because, as you say, it's so easy to get sucked into the everydayness, particularly for the small to medium enterprise, and just get sucked into firefighting, what's happening with production or sales or marketing, whatever facet of the business feels like it needs urgent attention. And to put off the things that are not quote-unquote urgent, but important, which are all the things that make your business actually work and function, that big picture stuff. And if you don't invest in that, then you're screwed, basically. And, and,
1: and look after those long-term relationships. We've had so much going on. Still ongoing, to my utter amazement. We've had rants, I believe, uh, in previous uh, podcasts on this one. But you know, whether it be funding, crowdfunding, uh, various other the fairest relationships, those that have supported you, you will make sure you support them back and communicate with them at all times, especially if they're a customer, as to what's actually happening. And I remember I've I've turned around a couple of businesses, one was a music venue, and post the experience, which was pretty brutal for a couple of years, we got to a point of trading safely, paid all our bills, etc., and reset ourselves beautifully, but it took two years, and it took two years of being highly communicative with each and every creditor. To help us through the two years and we got there because there was a respect all round that okay, I can only afford to pay you 50 quid this week. I know I owe you five grand, but it will be fifty quid every week. That's the way it works.
0: Great stuff. Well, let's leave it there for this week. If you want to follow Ivers on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Hotford Beers. Well, I say Twitter, like Twitter (laughs) it's a good other (laughs) conversation, isn't it? Twitter's dying. (laughs) You can find myself, Nick, at HotFord Beers, or go to hotford.beer and you can find the beverage agent. Online at well, you're we're building a your website well, at the moment, we, aren't we? Yeah, so yeah. you'll have your own shiny website
1: very soon. But at Beer Agent Sean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. <laughs>